You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. All right. Man, I tell you what, I'm excited. And ever so often, you know, especially here lately, uh, it's really cool when God begins to really kind of give us a prophetic word. And uh, last week, we seen where Jonathan, it's, it, it said, now the day came. And I'm telling you, it just rang out in my spirit. Now the day came. And, uh, and, and it was amazing to me how God at times has to wake us up. And we're going to look at something. And uh, because here's the thing, when giant killers are awakened, and that's the title of my message, Awakening the Giant Killers, is that when that day comes, procedures, rituals, listen, Giant killers are outside the normal, comfortable, complacency realm, you know, thinking. They, 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 they're outside that realm. They, and Jonathan, we've seen where him and his armor bearer, when that day came, Jonathan said, hey, battle belongs to the Lord. He can save by few or by many. It doesn't matter. You know, he's making a statement. It it doesn't matter because the battle belongs to the Lord. And so we're living in a day where that mentality is going to start being creeping up and stirring up on the inside of you to make a stand. And uh, and let let me just tell you something. Giant killers. Here's the deal. You know, what's here's the giants. Here's the giants we face. What's possessing your joy? What's possessing your peace? Come on. Your finances, your household. Listen, there's situations, there's circumstances, there's unforgiveness. See, there's bad doctrine. There's literally bad doctrine that is possessing. Come on. And so... What's possessing your purpose? See, these are giants that we all face. And and a giant is anything that is possessing what you should be. A giant is what's possessing what you should be possessing. Let me just say it that way. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to read it first out of the New American Standard. Therefore, since we have this ministry, verse 1, as we've received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, I want to read this to you out of the message. Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. We refuse to wear masks and play games. I love that part. <laughs> we don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. We don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display, so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. If our message is obscured to anyone, it's not because we're holding back in any way. No, it's because these other people are looking or going the, where, the wrong way and refuse to give it serious attention. All they have eyes for is the fashionable God of darkness. They think he can give them what they want and that they won't have to bother believing a truth they can't see. They're stone blind to the day spring brightness of the message that shines with Christ who gives us the best picture of God we'll ever get. We are the best picture that some people are ever going to see of Christianity. And we're living, we're living in a day where that right there can't explain it any clearer. We don't, we're not manipulating the gospel. We're not, come on. This is, this is the truth. This is how it is. Because I'm telling you, they're trying in the culture in which we live today, they're trying to justify sin. They're trying to normalize sin. And I don't care if you're Disney or the president, you can't change God's way. Throughout time, we can see where God stepped in and stirred his people to take action. Because the devil never wants us to get a clear picture of the grace and the mercy that God, through his son Jesus, has shown us that leads us out into victory to possess the promises that God has for us. The enemy don't want you possessing promises. And so he tries to put a veil over us that we can't see a clear path, come on, to possess the promises of God. See, the veil is being removed. Never, listen, we've never seen a more distinct line being drawn of good and evil. 
It's been so veiled for so long and we've been so busy going about our everyday routines and our rituals and our obligations, paying bills and buying cars. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? We've been so caught up in that life for so long, the enemy's just come in and started possessing our joy, our peace. Come on, we, now we've got so much drama going on. Everybody's offended. Come on. See, giant killers don't care if it's inconvenient or politically correct. Come on. We're going to live our life according to the Word of God, no matter what our culture says. There's still just two genders. You can take a bull and castrate him, but he's just a steer. He's not a heifer. You don't change that. Come on. It's that simple. Look in Job 17. Oh my God, this is serious. We're going to Job. <laughs> yeah, has it come to Job? <laughs> Verse 8. Listen, Job's in a bind here. Job is, he just, Job just sat back and said, you know what? I'm ready for the grave. You know, he's just like, I've been through so much. You know, the grave is calling my name, you know. And I mean, Job's in a bind. And in the midst of being in a bind, in verse 8, he says, The upright shall be appalled at this, and the innocent shall stir up himself against the godless. Nevertheless, the righteous shall hold to his way, and he who has clean hands shall grow stronger and stronger. I'm telling you, there is a push to push Christianity under the rug. And at some point... We just can't be pushed anymore. See, we don't war against flesh and blood, right? We, we, listen, the government's not our problem. Biden's not our problem. Your neighbor's not the problem. Our problem is an enemy that has influence that is possessing what we should be possessing. When you crawl off into your prayer closet... You have the power to bring down, bring down the strongholds in your community. At least throw a few darts at it. You know, at least. See, we have the power to connect heaven and earth. Start in your household. It starts in our household. Then it begins to spread. Come on, y'all with me? See, we become the shining example of God's love. And, and we're living that out in front of our neighbors and our relatives and our family. And they're going, man, that way is more peaceful. That way I see fruit what's going on in your life. Come on, does that make sense? Man, I'm telling you, we, we in our little round this weekend, we were at a, a Mexican food restaurant sitting there and there was 
I don't, there was uh, four, five, six. I was counting them in case I had to fight them all. But I, I, was, I, I was sitting there, and, and, and it was just me and Wendy sitting there. And I mean, F-bomb after F-bomb and GD, you know. And I, I looked at Wendy, and I said, you know, ain't none of my business. If my grandkids were here, it'd be a different story. But you know what? I'm just going to enjoy my, you know, right here. You know, and then, you know, then a couple came in, they had kids, but these guys, the immorality, they, they never even checked up, you know, and I just kind of nodded to the guy, said, hey, I got your back, you know. <laughs> so if you feel like you need to say something, I'm here for you, but if you don't, I'm fine too, you know. But I mean, I done had mine picked out. Wendy done had hers where the chair was going. I mean, we were just like, you know, we've been looking for somebody we could whoop here lately. We've just kind of been, you know. <laughs> but I was just like. I'm pretty sure I could have took two. Oh, yeah. These, yeah, they were, yeah. It, but I'm just saying, it. we live in a day where people have no moral or, or there's no thought process that, hey, there's families around here. It, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. We bowed our head. We prayed. You know, I mean, you can't be intimidated by that. And, and just to tell you, I have stood up and told a table of nine people before to shut up. I have. Because, I mean, in the middle of a restaurant... You know, when you're F you, I, what, well, I, there's just some things, dude, shut up. I've got grandkids here. Oh man, I'm sorry. And that's it. Just sit down, you know, but we live in that day that is enough's enough at times. We, we have, we have, it's like the morality the upright shall be appalled at this and the innocent shall stir up himself against the godless. You know, there's lots of appalling things. And this is a call to action. See, we're always meant to be hands-on. When Christianity took their hands off, come on, and let one guy, the pastor, be the hands-on guy for everything, that's when we quit possessing. When we let just the pastor guy be the hands-on guy to everything, that's when we started losing ground. See, we're all called to be hands-on. We're all called to be hands-on. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 11. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, very important. You're a covenant people. I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, O prisoners, who have the hope. This very day I am declaring that I will restore double to you. Come on. For I will bend Judah as my bow. I will fill the bow with Ephraim and I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and I will make you like a warrior's sword. Man, 
Let me explain this. When he said Judah and when he said Ephraim, that was very telling. Very telling. When he started out saying, because of the blood of my covenant, he's not talking about two people here. He's not talking about Judah and he's not just talking about Ephraim. He's talking about a tribe of people. He's talking about the Jewish people and he's talking about the Gentile people. Joshua and Caleb were the tribe of Judah and Ephraim. Joshua and Caleb were the two guys that led the tribes of Israel into the promised land. God stirred those boys. It says they were of a different spirit. Joshua was from Joseph's line. Joseph's wife was an Egyptian. So that's what makes Ephraim, come on, a Gentile. And so you had Judah and you had Ephraim who led the people in. You had the Jews and the Gentiles. Come on. And he says, I'm going to take Judah and I'm going to take Ephraim and we're fixing to restore some things. He's going to be very clear very clear. Listen, I'm taking Judah and Ephraim to possess what their fathers forfeited. Come on. H hear me. We've got religious leaders for the past hundred years that forfeited what we should be possessing. The devil shouldn't be possessing our government. It shouldn't be possessing our school system. Come on now. Come on. If you've got kids in public school, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're trying to, they're trying, they're trying to teach your kids what's ungodly. Our government is trying to tell us how to live and how to think. And no, not how to think, what to think. Our government's trying to tell us what to think. And at some point, if we don't stop and say, wait a minute, enough's enough. I don't care how many it is. The Lord doesn't, he can save by few or he can save by many. But here's where I stand and here's where I'm going to be. Here's where my family's going to be. We are going to stand for righteousness and we're going to possess our land and the enemy's not going to possess our land. I don't care what, come on, are y'all hearing me? See, we find ourselves having to take back what the enemy stole. That's where we are, y'all. If you want to know where we're at prophetically, first of all, take your eyes off of just being raptured out of here. 
take your eyes off of just the great escape and start occupying and possessing now because God's wakening up giant killers today. Now is the day. Now is the time. And he's awakening us up to the fact that we haven't been occupying what we should be occupying. We've just been sitting back waiting to go to heaven. Just say this prayer and we can all go to heaven. Come on, are y'all with me? First Samuel chapter 10. Listen, remember, we're not at war with flesh and blood. We're at war with the prince and power of the air. And he gets influence over people. Are y'all with me? Making them think that his way's better. Are y'all with me? And so how we combat that is prayer, making a stand. Here's what I'm going to tell you. God's calling you to a prayer closet. God's calling you to be an intercessor prayer. There's going to be a lot of things change all throughout your realm of influence because you're going to go to your closet and you're going to start praying. You're going to start declaring and speaking what you want to see. You may not see it right off the bat, but you start declaring it in that prayer closet. Here's what I want to see. God, I'm... Listen, put a demand on God. Intercessor prayers put a demand on God. And he's not offended. No, mama's an intercessor. He's not offended. He's waiting on you to pull and draw on him. Man, that's a powerful word. You don't have to beg him. You don't have to beg him. God, I thank you for my household. God, I thank you for my finances. God, I thank you for your favor. God, I thank you. Come on. 1 Samuel chapter 10. Probably help if I get there. Then Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it on his head, talking about Saul, kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you a ruler over his inheritance? Man, when you go from me today, then you will find two men close to Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zil, Zil, and they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. Now behold, your father has ceased to be concerned about the donkeys and is anxious for you saying, what shall I do about my son? Now, here's what you need to understand. God told Samuel to go and anoint Saul because the people wanted a king. 
And God is having to deal with two things here. God's having to deal with the fact that Saul and the people were walking in fear and doubt, worry, anxieties, because the Philistines were possessing God's covenant to his people. They got out of line. God had already gave his people this land. And now the Philistines have come in and they've got five cities in the promised land. And these five cities have uh, uh, formed a political uh, a block. And the Philistines have learned metallurgy. And so they've got weapons. Listen, it doesn't matter what the odds are here on earth. Come on. A giant killer says, you know what? It doesn't matter if they've got bombs and I got a slingshot. Come on. God's saying, hey, I'm in covenant with you. I gave you this land. Listen, it wasn't, it was not God's perfect will for him to have a king. But it was acceptable at this moment. Come on, are y'all with me? And so it says, Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it over his head, kissed him, said, has not the Lord anointed you a ruler over his inheritance? See, what Saul never could grasp is the fact that if, if he would have started occupying and correcting, if he would have started occupying and correcting and establishing God's covenant back, God would establish his kingdom. See, we're living in a day where some people are just not going to get this. They're not going to want to get it. And I'm not talking about worldly people. I'm talking about Christian people. They're just not going to understand. They're not going to see that a devil's trying to possess their peace, their joy. They're, they're just going to keep living in doom and gloom. Come on, are y'all with me? Just waiting to go to heaven. Because quite frankly, they don't want to be involved. They don't want the demand put on them. They don't want to go to their prayer closet. They just, they've accepted misery. Come on. They're not wanting to make an influence. They're not wanting to make an impact. They're not occupying and that's where we find, listen, the tribe of Dan had already moved out and moved north further away from out of their inheritance. How many times has the enemy come in and set up camp and pushed us out? Come on, man. Are y'all with me? Listen, he was to set things back in order 
and bring correction that God's people could possess the promise. That's what Saul was supposed to do. That's what Saul was supposed to do. Samuel anointed him, told him exactly what was going to happen so that he would have no reservation that God was doing what he was doing in his life. When Samuel said, here's what you're going to find out, that was to assure Saul that no matter what your eyes see, no matter what your ears hear, no matter how you feel, come on, no matter what you smell, cities burning, no matter, come on, are y'all with me in here? No matter what your flesh is feeling or seeing or hearing or smelling, God did this for a reason. Does that make sense? So don't go by what your flesh is telling you that an enemy is encamped around about you. Because when God starts trying to give you back what has been promised, what your covenant is, the enemy's always going to try you. And you have to remember this moment that God has anointed you to take it back. Oh, man. Second Peter 1. Look, we've, just, we've got to read it. Are y'all with me? Second yeah. Peter chapter 1. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. What things? Diligence, faith, moral excellence, moral excellence, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. If you're practicing these things, it, need, it, it renders you neither useless nor unfruitful. But when you practice these things, then you can possess and be fruitful in what God has promised. Come on now. We are to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And as we're bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, God is establishing us. And when he establishes us, he established his legacy and his kingdom here on this earth. But the church can't be passed on if we don't get our crap together. Can I just put it that way? Come on, are y'all with me? And it's not... <laughs> It's just what you do. The biggest problem that we face in America is we ain't figured out why we're here. We ain't figured out our why. Now we're all about our what. We got our what down. We got our boats, our bulls, our horses, our motorcycles, our baseball, we got our football, we got all of that. We got our what down. We just need to figure out our why we got it. Come on, man. Y'all still here? See, there's a list of things that we can practice and we can apply in possessing the promise so that we don't 
start losing ground in the promise. Because listen, when we start losing ground, the enemy can blur the lines of truth. Right now, we've got some very blurred lines of truth and what the truth really is. Because they're trying to, they're trying to make truth. It, it, truth to the world right now is, is a moving target. Because when, when, when Disney claims that they're not going to say, welcome boys and girls anymore, we've just moved the goalpost of truth again. Come on, are y'all with me? Because listen, if the enemy, golly, if the enemy can blur those lines of truth, he can cause trespass. And when he causes trespass, listen, when we're not possessing the enemy's trespassing, When, the, when we're not possessing, then the enemy is and he's trespassing. And God says, because of my blood covenant, I'm going to stir up some men. And I'm taken back because something's been possessing and trespassing on my covenant. Man, come on, are y'all with me in here? See, the, the people, when they come out of Egypt, God brought them out of Egypt and they set up a trespass. They built a golden calf and called it God. That's a trespass. Come on, are y'all with me? God was trying to awaken Saul to the fact that things aren't, things are out of hand. And so he tries to get Saul. Look, look back in 1 Samuel 10. Verse 17. Therefore, after... Thereafter, Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mezbah. And he said to the sons of Israel, thus says the Lord of the God of Israel, I brought Israel up from Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the power of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. Now, Never before have we seen such oppression as we're seeing right now. And that's why it's so important that you understand where your peace and your joy come from. So important. But you today rejected your God who delivers you from all your calamities and your distresses, yet you have said no, but set a king over us. Listen, 
Jesus died on the cross, sent the Holy Spirit that we can possess. I don't need a law telling me not to shoot you. Come on. Right? Because morally, I know that that's wrong. Just like I don't need a law telling me that adultery is wrong. I don't need a law telling me that there's only two genders. I don't need, come on, y'all hearing me? There's, listen. Mm. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. Thus Samuel brought all the tribe of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then brought the Benjamin near families, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. They were drawing lots. But when they looked for him, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? So the Lord said, behold, he's hiding himself by the baggage. Listen, let's don't be caught. Well, I don't know. I'm, this is all new. This whole being a king thing is all new. And I, I'm just not, I don't think I'm, let me tell you something. You're more ready right now to be the kings and priests and the crazy people that God called you to be than ever before. You can, you can plug in to some of the greatest teaching out there. We have God's word set before us. We are well more equipped to start slinging stones at giants. Come on. We, we are so well equipped and yet we just haven't put it all together. Come on. We need to start praying while you're in the shower. We need to start praying on our way to work. We need to start praying every day in the garden. We need to start praying over our kids. We need to start praying at the table. We, come on. We need to start standing up and living the gospel. Now's the day. Now's the time to say, that's, that's not right. That, that's just not right. That's just not right. It, it, it's, start to, it's time to take a bold step because I'm telling you, you walk past 10 or 12 people that are oppressed every day. Every day. And here's what you do. Hey man, you know Jesus loves you. Can you imagine in the midst of everything going on just to hear, hey, Jesus loves you. So do I. Let me encourage you. Go find somebody struggling with transgender and tell them you love them. They haven't heard the church say they love them yet. Come on, are y'all with me? They haven't heard that. All they've heard is you're a sorry sinner. That's all they've heard. All they've heard is guilt and condemnation. Repent, you sinners. You're going to hell. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> That's what they've heard. But they haven't heard, hey, I love you. Jesus loves you and I love you. 
Can I help you? No? Okay. Just, just, I'm here for you if you need me. Come on, are y'all with me? See, God gave us peace and joy. Some promises. It's our time to, to live that. What a shining example of people who aren't losing their mind in the midst of $5 a gallon gas. Come on. See, God is married to his covenant. And that's why it's hard for me to just buy into God's just going to suck us out of here and we're just, we're just so wore out. And we're just going to leave out of here just defeated. Come on. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's hard for me to grasp a people leaving out of here when we just skirted out of here by the skin of our teeth. Whoo, man. Come on. Like God's up there wringing his hands trying to figure out what he's going to do. No, he says, I'm going to raise up Judah and I'm going to raise up Ephraim and we're going to go take back what the forefathers forfeited before. Come on, are y'all with me? Second Timothy chapter 2, 13. He says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. That's hope right there, y'all. <laughs> When we're faithless, he's still faithful. All we got to do is wake up to the fact that God's God and God's going to use us regardless. Come on. Saul never could grasp that fact that God would have established his kingdom here if he would have brought correction and order and occupied and brought correction in order back to God's inheritance. Come on, are y'all with me? The church is God's inheritance. The people, church, not the building. Church people. We're to be the happiest, goofiest people on the planet. Why are they so happy? Why are they smiling? Come on. Why are they still going and doing? And I mean, don't they watch the news? <laughs> no. <laughs> See, Saul couldn't grasp it. Matthew 16, I'll close. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. See, Saul couldn't grasp that. Now, here's the, here's the issue. Saul couldn't give his life up to save it. And when I seen Jonathan, Jonathan was a giant killer. And it never dawned on me 
how bad decisions can affect the people around you. How disobedience and not occupying God's inheritance can affect sons and daughters around you. And when David come walking out of the valley and he had Goliath's head. When everybody else, when all the other Christians were standing on the mountain, rattling in their armor, every time, 40 days, this giant would come down and rattle their armor. And David comes up with pizza and, you know, Uber Eats drives up. And he's like, what's everybody doing? And they, oh man, this giant comes down. He's, whoo, wee, whoo, wah, whoo, wah. David said, who is this uncircumcised? Who's this guy that doesn't have a covenant why is he occupying the valley that my God gave me? Why is a guy that has no covenant with a living God telling me where I should be standing right now? Why, why is he calling me out? Why is he trying to defy the armies of the living God? Why is he trying to strip bare naked the army of a living God? Why is he possessing what we should be possessing? You can believe whatever you want. But I'm telling you right now, God stirred in the man called Christopher Columbus. Now you can believe that he's trying to, that they're trying to rewrite history. You can believe that. But I'm telling you right now, God stirred in the heart of Christopher Columbus and brought him here for a reason. And there is a reason that this constitution of the United States of America has lasted 200 and what, 40 no other constitution on the planet has ever lasted this long. And you know why? It's because written into the constitution is the word of God. Our very Congress sits and the great thinkers of the world surround the, the Congress and the one face that you see, the whole face, every other great thinker and lawgiver, you see only half of their face. But the lawgiver, Moses, you see his whole face presiding over our Congress. You want to know why the Constitution of the United States has lasted that long? It's but good. Because God stirred men, common men, to become giant killers. See, back then, when British was trying to take over, the Black Robe, the Black Robe Regiment were pastors standing in the pulpit with a black robe on. 
and they started stirring their congregation. Boys, we got to fight. If we don't fight, we're going to lose this country. And they took their robes off and had uniforms on. I'm telling you, if we don't start standing up for righteousness, we'll end up having to shoot our way out of this and we ain't going to be able to vote our way out of it. We as the church can stand up for righteousness, call down these strongholds that the enemy is trying. Let me tell you something. We can't keep killing babies. We are seeing a clear, definite line being drawn. And it's time we start calling our congressmen. It's time that we start filling their phones up and demanding them to vote right and vote for life. If you, I don't care what party you are. If you can't say that there's a heartbeat in a woman, that's life, you can't have my vote. You can't. If you so twist the truth and call it a fetus, a blob, a, if it has a heartbeat, it has a soul, a spirit, a purpose, its life has been ordained, it's been called by name by God already. And if you can't, you can't have my vote. I don't care who you are. I don't care what color you are. Come on, y'all hearing what I'm saying? God's wakening up the giant killers. We can't sit back anymore. It's time to take action. We're not, living, we're not living in the day that our fathers lived in where we can just go about our business. We're not living in that day. We're going to be inconvenienced. We're going to be disturbed. Come on. That's just where we're at, y'all. That's just where we're at. We can't get caught up in petty arguments. I once saved, always saved. I just said a prayer and now I'm just sitting back here. I'm going to light another candle. Oh, I got to go see a priest and confess all my sins. Shut up. Shut up. Jesus is your high priest. Go to him. You got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Come on, he'll show you what you need to do. You don't have to know spit. But you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He knows you. He knows the mind of Christ. You don't need four years of seminary to tell you what. You got the Holy Ghost. Been around for thousands. All right. Listen to me very carefully. When David come walking out of that valley and had that head, here's what it said. Jonathan's heart was knit to David's. 
Because at that moment, David awakened the giant killer back up in Jonathan. The guy that was on the side of the hill that said, God can save by few or by many, but it doesn't matter. But let me tell you something. Religion, bad decisions, bad obedience towards God from his father led to the stifling of the giant killer in him to where God had to get David. Come on. Here's what I want to tell you. Our condition and lack of faith and commitment doesn't change who God is. It just changes who God's going to use. Our lack of faith and our lack of commitment doesn't change God one bit. What it does is, is it changes who he'll use. God said, I'm going to find a man after my heart. I'm going to find a man that'll pick up a stone and go and chase a giant down because he doesn't have a covenant, but he does. That's who God's looking for. God's looking for a man who will climb up on his four hands, on his, on his, four hands, on his, not only do we got 70 something genders, now we got four hands. <laughs> who will crawl up a side of a mountain on his hands and knees and kill giants. And his armor bearer is right behind him, pushing and everyone that would come by he would he would stick <laughs> you know he's like <laughs> Jonathan is just cutting away come on y'all with me in here I'm gonna possess my house I'm gonna walk in righteousness I'm gonna walk in joy I'm gonna walk in peace I'm going to raise my kids. I'm not letting the government raise my kids. I'm putting in my kids what they're going to think. I'm putting in my kids how they're going to act. I'm going to put, come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? My kids are going to be raised in righteousness. They're going to know truth from a lie. Come on. I'm not going to call good evil and evil good. But I'm going to make a stand. God, stir. Come on. You have to stir yourself up. Y'all stand. But here's the deal. If you don't lose your life, you can't find it. Saul could never grasp that. I'm not telling you to run out of here and go fly to Africa. That's not what I'm telling you. Listen, be methodical. Don't set some huge goal that you can't. Let's just work on being a good husband. Here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to be the best husband I can be today. You know what? I'm going to be the best dad that I can be today. Woo! Come on. I'm going to be the best neighbor I can be today. 
I'm going to be diligent today to love somebody. Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Listen, I'm not saying, listen, you hear, here, here let, let me just make this disclaimer, throw this out there too. Leap of faith, it's not in the Bible. It ain't there. You can look all in there. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Ain't in there. That's grandma telling you that. See, steps. Step of faith. Leap, you're going to hit the ground. Just take a step of faith. Just a step of faith. You ain't, only, you ain't got to take no leap. Leaps get you in trouble. <laughs> get us in a bind, don't they, Keith? Leaps get us in trouble. But a step, because see, you just, you know, he's a light unto our step. Come on, y'all hear me. Listen, there's a lot of stuff happening in our world and in our culture. And we're the light that God put to shine in the midst of it. This isn't nothing to run from. This is for us to embrace and say, man, this is our time. This is our time. This is our time to shine with the brightness and glory of the kingdom of God. This is the day where you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. This is where you're going to walk up and ruin a funeral. Hey, come on. This is where you're going to lay hands on blind eyes and they're going to see. Deaf ears are going to hear. Come on. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You're going to step out and do business right in the midst of all of this economy and your business is going to flourish while the world's is falling apart. Come on. Is anybody in here? And it's just going to be a testimony of what God and who God is. And that you're possessing this land. Come on now. See, that's our why. That when people look at our businesses, when they look at us excelling and having peace, they're going, man, you're God's God. Tell me about him. Oh, man. Father, we come to you today. Lord, I thank you that we are living in our time. We're living in our time. You placed us here for this time, for this day, to reflect the kingdom of God, to occupy, to set order and correction. And Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love y'all. We'll see you Wednesday. We're so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.